heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. It is Tuesday morning, the 16th of August. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, a very good morning to you. So much to get through this morning. We're going to talk with Professor Peter Ridd very shortly uh, around coral and the Great Barrier Reef. It's affected us all in rural and regional Queensland and we're going to make sure that we keep abreast of it. Also, we're going to catch up with Matthew Trace who is from Ostease Milk and they have a great new story to share around the dairy industry and how being a voice as one and united uh, has got them a long, long way. Tash Johnson will join us from Drought Angels. We'll talk a few bull sales and much, much more. It's a big show for you this morning. It's rural Queensland today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin as we march towards uh, another month. We're halfway through August. Who would have thought as bull sale season is hotting up? This is rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin on rural Queensland today. Back to rural Queensland today. Uh, Tash Johnson joins us from Drought Angels, and the long drive for drought hits the road again to add another hundred k worth of fundraising tally for Queensland farmers. Um, this is an iconic series, and um, the forty series Toyota Land Cruisers will hit the road again this August, aiming to add more money to their overall tally. Tash, I, I know that there's so much going on. Um, and in a lot of ways, Drought Angels has changed a little bit of a course at the moment because of the, the unbelievable weather events that have happened. But there's a mental health aspect that's really now starting to take its toll as well because people just can't survive despite the fact that they've got grass, despite the fact that there are still areas that are in drought. Um, so as much as you're trying to provide services for them to survive, it's also now a real challenge with mental health as well. Oh, hi, Ben. Yeah, it is. Um, mental health is very real um, for everybody in the bush, especially coming out of COVID. Um, yeah, it just seems to be becoming a lot more prevalent with our farmers. We we still do the financial assistance, but right now we're really um, an ear at the end of the phone for people to, to offload um, yeah. and have someone to talk to. Yeah, and so these kind of series, this this will be kicking off at Calliope on the 26th of August, 50-car convoy travelling through drought-declared LGAs over eight days, um, and the final night at the Stockman's Hall of Fame. They've got a pretty big – I mean, you've been on these before. They're, they're pretty exciting, and it's outside money trying to raise money for the bush, isn't it, which is a, it was a really important thing. Oh, it is, Ben. Every year has gotten bigger, and this is – Pretty much, mainly country. Pe- oh, sorry, city people yeah. um, raising money to support those in the country. Um, they just love coming out on these on these drives, and you know, we actually go and visit a couple of our farmers that we help along the way, so these guys can actually see and hear firsthand how the money that they're raising is actually impacting these families. So that's really um, an important connection for these guys to to see how their money helps. And that's the big thing, isn't it? That's the biggest thing that we. 
We we really need to understand it that and you, you're covering. There is areas that are still very much in trouble. Oh yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, you know, some of them have been impacted not only by the drought, but then they had the mice plagues and then floods. So it's just. Um, you know, one disaster after another. And then, you know, even talking to some of my farmers out west, there's plenty of feed on the ground, but there's no nutrition in the feed. So they're still having to supplement feed. The cattle aren't gaining the weight um, despite all the feed on the ground. So, yeah, Mother Nature just keeps throwing one challenge after another. But, you know, our farmers will keep doing what they do best. They don't complain. They don't whinge. Um, You know, they just sometimes need someone to talk to. What's the big challenge for drought angels at the moment? If you had a crystal ball, what 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 could we help you with? Oh, fundraising, Ben. Um, we COVID has impacted us hugely. Uh, before COVID, we had about a thousand fundraisers a year being done for us around the country by people. Now we're down to about thirty five. Right. So you know our donations have plummeted, um, and it's really um, been a big challenge for us, and it is going to be a challenge for us. We're doing the, you know, the, the trying to pivot and diversify, but it's going to take us a lot to, to build back up again. And, you know, the big thing about it is that people, um, you've got to believe it, it is, it's just not right yet. There's a long way. There are a long way. We've had good cattle prices, yes, but it's going to take some while. So you guys are getting a lot of fundraising. Your goal is 100000 on this trip. Uh, the long drive for drought, starting at uh, Calliope on the 26th of August, 50-car convoy travelling through. It's been at peak services, Outback Queensland Tourism Association have been pretty unbelievable with sponsorship this year for Drought Angels as well. Oh, they have been, and peak services have supported um, the long drive for drought since it began. The the organiser and the founder of long drive for drought, Brent Riemann, has just been a wonderful supporter of ours and um, and a big believer of the cause. And just he's very passionate about his his car and the the, the cruises. And um, you know, it's just grown to you know where it is today to have about fifty vehicles. This is the biggest one so far. Unbelievable! Uh, it all kicks off on the twenty sixth of August going from Calliope all the way to Longreach. So it'll be travelling through northwest Queensland uh, with the final night at the Australian Stockman's Hall of Fame. And obviously we need to be a real part of that as well and make sure that we cover that. Tash, great to chat. Um, and anybody who is listening, we we are we have to look after our own. Um, and, and this is a super, super important cause. So if you are out there and you are in any way wanting to help, you know, you can get in contact with Drought Angels. Tash is obviously very open and any fundraising is truly, truly appreciated. Uh, the long drive for drought, it will kick off on the 26th of August, but it's just not alone with that. There's obviously a lot of other drafts and a lot of other drives and fundraisers that money can be made. So we really look forward We really look forward to seeing how that goes and we're going to catch up with you shortly. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ben. Can I just say that if, you know, all the towns were coming through, the Long Drive for Drought crew have merchandise and raffle tickets. So, you know, come on down and support the drive and I'll be joining them and I'll look forward to meeting people on the way. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you uh, throughout the course of the trip. Thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It's Tuesday morning, the 16th of August. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, Professor Peter Ridd has been a regular on this show for some time and he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Professor, good morning. Thanks for talking to us. No worries. Thanks. 
the scaremongering data about the 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 reef in 2020 when I mean I don't say factually incorrect but I I, I feel it was a lot of the the science that they were projecting and letting everybody know the state government has now um, been squashed for the first time uh, in a long time. Uh, this just as recently published. The Australian Institute of Marine Science annual summary report on coral reef conditions shows that the northern sections of the Great Barrier Reef have recorded their highest amount of coral cover since it began being monitored 36 years ago. Great news story, Peter, but yet mixed reaction from different science and researchers who don't necessarily believe the science. Well, that's right, isn't it? Well, the interesting thing is that they're saying that even this wonderful news is still bad news because it's the wrong type of coral or, you know, it could be wiped out at, uh, just in one year. So, you know, you have record high coral. And in fact, when you add the three regions up, because the, the northern and um, central region, AIM says, are at record high. Uh, and the central, re- the southern region is at also very high levels. And when you add it all up for the whole Great Barrier Reef, the Great Barrier Reef is undoubtedly at record high levels as well. So as a, as a total, so this is wonderful, wonderful news. It can, the, the idea that the reef is is doomed or whatever, the, that idea, the wheels have just fallen off that that wagon. Um, well, there's just no have, truth to it, is there? No, I mean we've had four supposedly. The devastating bleaching events in the last six years, where we lost, you know, ninety-three percent of the coral, ninety-three percent of the reef bleached on the, in two thousand and sixteen. Much more, uh, you know, in in other uh, in two thousand and seventeen, twenty twenty, and then even this year, and now we've got record high coral cover. So go figure. How does that work? How does it work? Talk to me. I mean, we've talked on this and, and you've spoken many times. The, the science that the government is taking is fundamentally flawed. Well, the, the the thing is that when they said all that stuff bleached, yeah, there was a bit of bleaching, but most of that coral survives. It's like, you know, the, the grass goes brown, but then it comes back again. Um, you know, some of the grass will die, but most of it comes back again. It's the same with coral. Very little coral actually died in those events. Um, when it comes to the uh, reef regulations, we the, the science, you know, you can look at the, the reports and see there is no pesticides out on the Great Barrier Reef. There is virtually no sediment ever gets out to the Great Barrier Reef. Even the inshore reefs, there's far more resuspension of sediment, which has been there for thousands and thousands of years. That's resuspension by waves, you know, 100 times more. Uh, then comes down all the rivers from farms. These are all facts, and yet they're totally ignored. Uh, the beauty is the reef has now demonstrated without any shadow of a doubt that it is still in wonderful condition. There doesn't need to be any more reef regulations. That don't, we don't need to be scaring the children that, you know, that it's going to die, because I tell you there's a lot of children all around the world who are in a state of depression about it, and they should be all told it's going to be okay. Why is it that we have a situation that we are seeing these reports? Look, in the 87 uh, representative reef survey between August 21 and May 22, under the long-term monitoring program, average hard coral cover in the region north of Cooktown increased 36% from 27% and 33% in the great central Great Barrier Reef from 26%. Like, I mean... 
as you said, and the, the weather events, the runoff, all the all the massive, no, no worse. It, it couldn't get any worse than what it did. Yet we've seen increasing growth. Yet why do, why are there mixed reactions from scientists, and why is it that this is the second year in a row the cover has increased, yet we're still seeing these fundamentally barbaric laws affecting all of Queensland and all of regional Queensland around reef regulations? Well, very good question. And remember that if you go back to 2011, uh, the coral cover was half what it is today now. So it's doubled, more than doubled. It's, um, now, it got to very low levels from crown starfish, but mostly from uh, big cyclone, cyclone Hamish, cyclone Yasi. Uh, and we've now got double the amount of coral that we had then and, of course, what should now be happening is that the agricultural organisations should be screaming about this. Now, we were effectively at record high levels or at least at record equaling levels last year. And I was saying to them, look, you don't get very, very high levels or, you know, record equaling levels every year. We've got to do something. And we didn't do – we really didn't do enough last year. And then lo and behold, we come and get, we get even better. And we just got the wonderful uh, levels of coral this year. And we must not miss this opportunity. We've got one year, right? It's almost certainly going to go down. We only need one bit of a cyclone to go through and we'll lose a bit of coral and we won't be record high anymore. Yeah. And we can't crow that, you know, the reef is good because this is demonstrating that the, uh, the scientists have been wrong in their doom prediction. And therefore, these regulations that we've got for farmers are unjustified. Yeah, it's just it, – it, it blows my mind. So what should we be looking for? What what what, what does the future hold for the Great Barrier Reef? And, and, and Peter, you've been such a, a, an advocate for rural and regional Queensland because of your beliefs – should we should we be able to start a case with the government that they need to, to, to soften the laws? Do they need to repel some of these laws that they've got that are affecting everybody off the back of this science? Or should we wait a little bit longer to have a few more years of hardcore evidence? No, no, no. We've got to do it now. Look, you, you, you get a record high once every you know few decades. When it goes down, guess what they're going to be saying? Oh, the reef declined by 20% last year. They won't mention that it was at record high levels last year. You know? So you've got to do it now. And So we've got to ask for quality assurance for science. That is the important word, quality assurance for science, because we haven't had that, at least in a lot, a lot of things. So it doesn't mean that all the science is, is wrong, but it means that, that it's difficult to know what to trust. Yeah. You've got to have the opposition that actually has the guts to stand up and say, look, we've got record high coral cover. Do you think we need a bit of quality assurance just to see whether all this stuff which we've been told about the reef is wrong? Because clearly some must be wrong. We need the opposition to have the guts to stand up in, in Brisbane where where everybody believes the reef is dead to to actually push that fact and say, we want to have some checking. And we want the farmers' organisations to do the same. And we can't expect this uh, present uh, government in Queensland to reverse these uh, reef regulations. We can, we can call for them to do it. They're not going to do it because they love the power they've got over all the farms east of the Great Divide. They love that power. They're in the process of employing large numbers of people 
to go around farms and to police farmers and to make, you know, complete, well, to make nuisances of themselves for absolutely no reason. So there needs to be a little bit of uh, spirit that we see in Holland now, where farmers are getting a bit aggro the way they should because their livelihoods ultimately are uh, in jeopardy. And we've got record high coral cover. We've got a call for quality assurance on the science. Well said. Great to chat. You do a phenomenal job. Uh, Professor Peter Ridd, thank you so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. My pleasure. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. It is Tuesday morning, the 16th of August. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. We talk about um, leading studs and and places where you want to go and buy quality bulls. Well, Marcella Angus Stud is um, one of the leading Angus Studs. Their fifth annual bull sale will be held on Saturday, the 27th of August, 1pm at the Gamari Showgrounds. Now, this is showcasing 40 of their best bred bulls ready to go out and work. Stud Principal Reese Innes joins us this morning. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's a long way from when you and Amy kicked off five years ago with your first bull sale. You ponied up and you went with it and five years in and, and the bulls just keep on getting better and better. Yeah, no, thanks, Ben. No, we, um, we're very pleased with this lineup. They're, I know every stud breeder says the same thing, but I think uh, these are our best best lineup of bulls we've ever had. They're, um, they're sleek and very well muscled, and they're, they're the type we're trying to breed here at Marcella Angus. Well, the thing about it is that people know the kind of genetics that you, you, you're buying and, and what you're doing. You guys are actually investing heavily into your females, and it's paying dividends with your size that you're producing, and that's been the biggest thing. It's you haven't rested on your laurels, you know. Although it's been a, a really good couple of years, you you've obviously invested heavily to try and continue to to get your herd better and better year in year out. Yeah, no, that's right, Ben. No, we we're very focused on our female herd. Um, they're uh, they're extremely resilient, um, coming through the you know worst drought in history, and then. Coming through this year, our biggest flood in history. So they've um, they've had a bit of a tough time, but they're yeah they're, they amaze us every every year. They you know they're acclimatised to the ticks and um, you know which is a big thing for Angus cattle and yeah you know, they, they do the job year in year out. How hard is that to get them right? I mean, a lot of people you know the boys say, oh, you don't take the Angus bulls into the ticks, but yours are bred in the ticks. They're right to go. Yeah, that's right, Ben. I think that's something we're very proud of here. It's not easy breeding, you know, straight Angus cows in, in ticky country and, and forest grasses. They're the type we need. They're sleek. Um, they're probably not as big a frame as cows as, you know, out in that western country, but they're certainly, you know, you can put a put a fair-sized bull over them and you produce a, a very good calf. So, I mean, that, that's the type we need here in this country. Um, I, I can't get over how good they are. I'm having a look at the catalogue at the moment as we speak, and there's 40 exceptional quality bulls. All bulls are semen tested. They're vet checked. They're fully vaccinated. Now, you can go to Marcella Angus on Facebook. You can ring Reese or Amy on 41686252 at any time, um, and they're happy to, happy to go through and, and help you with your selections and talk to you about the, the bulls. Saturday, the 27th of August, 1 p.m. Gamari Showgrounds. And, mate, what will people say when they see these bulls? What, what would you like people to say? Well, I just, uh, I'm hoping they'll say, Ben, that they're, you know, first of all, very good animals. They're, you know, they're a very good type of animal, I, I believe. Um, you know, their shape is, is what we're trying to produce. Um, 
So that's something, and very softness. Their, their softness is, you know, we've really focused on those two things the last sort of three or four years, and I think we're, we're getting, that, getting there at the moment. Yeah, and, and that's the big thing. Um, you, you want soft bulls that will go out and work, ready to go. Uh, people can get, go and buy with confidence. And, I mean, five years ago, you, this is your fir- you had your first bull sale. This is your fifth annual sale. And, look, the the on both sides, yourself and Amy, it, it runs deep, your knowledge of, of seed stock and this livestock industry. You cannot go wrong with Marcella Angus. Um, their bull sale the 27th of August, 1pm at Gamari Showgrounds, 40 exceptional quality bulls. I, I can't recommend this stud highly enough. I appreciate your time, Reese. Best of luck, mate, and I hope it all goes well. You've been um, really kicking some goals in this industry. Oh, thanks very much, Ben. Thank you very much. Good on you. We'll uh, take a break. That's the 27th of August, 1pm Gamari Showgrounds. Marcella Angus, you can get in contact with Reese or Amy, 41686252. We're going to take a break on Rural Queensland today and come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's amazing what campaigning, talking to the right people, getting a point of view into the general public can do to an industry. President of East Ost Milk, Matthew Trace, joins us this morning. And five years ago, and we remember this so well on this show, Shane Knuth and Robbie Catter led, from the Catter Party, led a campaign to get fairer prices for Queensland dairy farmers. The numbers of dairy farmers walking away from this industry is harrowing. It, it, it is very real. And it was off the back of this dollar milk that just never saw them even get a chance to make a living. Matthew, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, they were dark days. There's no two ways about it. This dollar a litre milk, um, and it was a marketing campaign, um, you know, for, to try and get consumers, and it was a lost leader. But what it did do, in essence, was almost destroy and bring your industry to its knees. Yeah, thanks, Ben. And look, in more ways than just the dollar loss, which is obviously pretty important when you can't pay the bills, but there was a total lack of confidence or hope for dairy farmers when you have an artificially fixed maximum price, not a minimum price that we're yeah. often used to talking about in consumer land, but a maximum price that you could get regardless of your cost of production. It just destroys people's hope, really. So the dollar a litre milk, it ended in February 19, and it was Woolworths that took the bit and decided, okay, you know, and we were there was a lot of negative press. It, it really was. They lifted at ten cents a litre. How they went about it, saying it was f- flat for the for the drought, and they were giving what whatever. But they did lift it a dollar ten a litre. But the domino effect, with other retailers having to match it, flowed on. And then we look at three and a half years later, and we're looking at a dollar fifty to a dollar sixty a litre for retail brands of milk now, and. I'm still not saying it's enough, but geez, we've come a long way in three years. Yes, we've seen a, what I would call a more normalisation of the commercial forces where uh, it's not a big deal for the price of something to go up at retail level when the costs further down the chain, such as on farm and at the processing plants, have gone up, Yeah, which makes pretty good logical sense. But gee whiz, it was tough at the time and there was a whole heap of angles put into fighting it, like... Um, one of them, one of them was the Fair Go logo project, as you mentioned, with the Cutter Boys kicking it off, and and at um, QDO we were at the time, the Queensland Dairy Organisation, 
we got great support from the state Labor government as well. They um, they helped us fund a, a communications media type officer through through the logo project. Yep. And and that person was instrumental not only in pursuing the Fair Milk logo, which never actually eventually managed to make it to a bottle in its original intended form, but also in just fighting this notion that milk was valueless. And the consumers supported us, and they're still supporting us now, I feel, even with the latest increases. So it's it's a real mind shift in how to support farmers. Over the next year, you would you would expect that milk would go up. I, I don't – and – the, I, I everything's going up, and I don't see a problem with this. I don't see a problem with milk at two dollars a litre at some point. I, I really don't because dumb it down for me from the farm gate, and, and you're talking to your people here. Is at a dollar fifty, dollar sixty, there's still not that much money in it with energy prices, uh, cost of feeding, insurance, everything that goes up. You still need to be making money, and and if you can't, we cannot get to the point where we're importing more milk over here. It just cannot happen. No, you're right. The, the, the costs are actually keeping well and truly keeping up cost of production with these latest milk price increases. Um, the only hope is, as you've said, is that the market can actually move now when it needs to. And look, things don't move the day that they need to. It's a slow process, but the, there is a mechanism where prices can be increased when they're needed. And until we see production growing north of Sydney, um, dairy production, until we see that response to the massive shortfall in the market, then the milk price won't have gone far enough. So it it, it speaks volumes of where this industry is. Are you seeing people just in a holding pattern or are you seeing some growth in the dairy industry in Queensland? We're not seeing growth at the moment, no. Um, I think there's a fair bit of licking of the wounds from the, you know, the serious wet and floods of the last last sure, six months sure. or so. It's yep. quite an extreme situation. It's sort of like getting five years of drought at once, actually, the floods. And um, many people wish it was a bit drier. But, you know, <laughs> there's a confidence thing as well, Ben. And we've only just had these significant increase in milk price in the last month or two. So... I think by Christmas, um, if things have settled down and it's not flooding, the weather's not bad, we might see a change. But, yeah, once bitten, twice shy. Farmers have had a bit of a touch-up, really. Oh, they certainly have. Um, It it shows what people power can do, though. I mean, if you had just rolled over at this dollar a litre milk, who knows where it would have been? And and I mean that genuinely. Like, it it was a really strong campaign by the supermarkets to try and keep – um, the the prices at that a dollar a milk. Now we see them at a dollar sixty. Now th- there's every possibility, as I said, they'll be end up with a dollar eighty. But if you guys hadn't have screamed and kicked, the dairy industry would be on its knees in Queensland. I I think you've summed it up very well. And look, consumers, you're right. They, they were the key. They were the key. Uh, let's face it. All the all the retailers, uh, they they don't dictate to consumers. Consumers have to dictate to them. Uh, but Consumers need awareness of what the real issues are, and when we provided that awareness with support from the media, such as yourself, Ben, you know that it was that team effort of getting that clear message out that it's not the whinging farmer syndrome. There's a genuine um, difficulty on farm to produce milk at these prices, and we needed support. Otherwise, no fresh milk, and consumers responded to that. Yeah, look, it, it, it certainly has, and there's something in it for everybody to see. 
the dairy industry uh, has still got a long way to go. But as a direct result of the campaign, that dollar a litre milk ended. Further prices increasing over the next 12, 12 months, see it going from a buck fifty to sort of a dollar eighty, which I don't think anybody has a problem in paying, and I mean that. And the future is brighter, but we need to keep on this. The processing plants, they will whinge about this, but the only way that we can keep our dairy farmers alive is by paying more at the gate, and that is through the supermarkets, paying paying more money for our milk. It is a vital, vital part of our, any diet, and so we just are really happy that we've got somewhere with it. But in saying that, Matthew Trace, we need to make sure that we continue our campaign and make sure that it stays that way. We really appreciate your time. Uh, President of Eastos Milk, thanks so much for being with us this morning, Matthew Trace. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Good good news story. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin, Tuesday morning, the 16th of August, across rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Ray Hadley will join you next. Have a great day, Queensland. We're back tomorrow from 9 o'clock. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from everybody here at Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now.